Welcome to the Decompression Chamber. I am your host, Andrea, and joining me this week is not only a fellow veteran, but my cousin, Christine Thomas. Christine, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much for doing this. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Really excited to uh, to get your story because as with all things in life, you get a little bit of information here, a little bit of information there. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to get like the whole whole thing, the whole rundown from you. Yeah, I'm happy to share. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I know that like me, you're from California, but uh, but start back at the beginning and uh, tell me a little bit about uh, about where you're from and uh, in your childhood. Yeah, so um, I was born in Walnut Creek, which is in the Bay Area region. And shortly after being born, we moved down to more central area. So we lived, um, we moved a lot, actually. So mm -hmm. I've lived in Salida. I've lived in Modesto. I've lived in Ceres. I've lived um, in a couple of places within those areas that are like specks of dust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then I would say I was in Modesto probably the longest, which is uh, like central Northern California. Mm -hmm. If I say Northern California, the Northern's like, that's not Northern. If you say Southern California, the Southerners are like, that's not, that's Northern California. So I like yeah. to say central Northern. It's like central California, but on the Northern cusp. Right. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I lived there probably the longest. That's where I did uh, junior high and high school. So Modesto and Ceres are neighbors. And so we've moved back and forth between the two a good bit. So I was able to stay within relatively the same school district or good. some, sometimes we used a friend's address. So I wouldn't have to change school districts. <laughs> hey, consistency is key. You know, you've got a lot, a lot of changes, you know, high school is hard enough as it is. If you can keep same high school and core group of friends, that's the way to go. Right. Yeah. Um, so Ceres only had one high school, so we didn't have to worry about that until um junior year the mm -hmm. second high school opened and so half of the junior and senior class moved over to the new high school and so it was um quite the adjustment a lot of people lost some not like permanently lost but lost their friends at school and only had to see them after school yeah yeah it can be tough i mean you gotta find new people to cheat off of. It's crazy, <laughs> <laughs> right? New people to walk home with. Well, yeah, that that too, that too. For yeah, sure. um, and then high school is actually when I enlisted. Okay, nice. <laughs> no, I remember. Um, well, not so much the year, but uh, I do remember you talking to my dad about that because, um, you know, other than my dad, did you know anyone else who served? I mean, what what got you thinking about it in the first place? Yeah. So um, Uncle Mark, which is Aunt Nikki's husband, he um, he's a former Marine. He's retired now, but awesome. he was still very active when we were younger. And um, I actually lived with my Uncle Mark and Aunt Nikki for a little bit when I was younger. And so I got to see, you know, close up how he was and everything. He always had so much pride and yeah. what he did. And I remember growing up and just being like, I want to be proud of what I do when I get older. Um, and that made a really big impact on me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Esprit de Corps, I mean, that is the Marine Corps all the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they are never off active duty. It doesn't seem. Um, okay. Yeah. So, no, that's, that's awesome. So then, uh, you know, you start deciding on the branch, whatever else, did you know what you wanted to do in the military or you just knew I'll join and I'll figure it out? 
Yeah, so um, there's this program, I don't know if it's still around, but at the time it was called Project Yes, which is, um, it's kind of like an after school program that helped mm -hmm. people in high school kind of figure out what they want to do with their lives, um, help them build like a resume, get internships and things like that. And I remember when I was sitting with one of the advisors or counselors, She's like, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't really know. I just know that I want the type of job that you shower before work and not after work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's... So when I, um, and so when I decided that I wanted to go into the National Guard, it was because I had a science teacher who was in the California Army National Guard. And okay. I loved that he was able to stay home and take care of his family, but also go and serve the country. And not only that, but he yeah. also got to serve locally. So, you know, California is heavy on earthquakes and sure. um, later as, you know, the years went by, we had other things like fires and riots and, and whatnot. But sure. at this time, we mostly just had earthquakes. Yeah. Um, and so he got to respond to those types of like local disasters. And I was like, that's really cool. I get to serve my community, but then also serve my country. Yeah. Be proud of what I'm doing. And depending on my job, have the type of job you shower beforehand. Yes. So, um, I sat down, took my ASVAB when I was still a junior in high school. Mm -hmm. Wow! They came back. They said, here's your scores. Here are the types of jobs that you can do. Um, silly me. I was like, I want to go into field artillery and blow things up. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do the exact same thing. Like when I talked to yeah. the Marine Corps, I was like, oh, I want to be a, a combat engineer. I want to blow stuff up. And they're just like, nah. <laughs> yeah, he was like, you can't. Why? Because your female females aren't allowed in the in, in the field artillery unit. At, at this time, they weren't. They are now, you know, but back, right, right. at this time, they weren't. And he was like, but honestly, you probably wouldn't want to do it anyway. And he started talking about, like, all the field exercises and the gear that you have to wear and the training exercises and all these things. And at the time, I was like, no, it's fine. I want to do all of them. But yeah. ultimately, I ended up becoming a paralegal, which suited me later in life. <laughs> sure. Yeah, definitely more the job you should shower beforehand rather than after. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's so I uh, took the ASVAB. I enlisted five days after my 17th birthday. So it was the summer between junior and senior year of high school. Wow. So like a year long uh, delayed entry program. Yes. But I loved it. I loved it. I got to learn so, so much before going to basic training. So when I got to basic training, I wasn't even scared. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> know everything I'm... there is to know. What are they going to do? Right. Yell at you? That's going to happen right. to everybody. <laughs> right. Uh, it was so funny. So I took, I didn't tell my mom that I was enlisting at really? all. Like this whole, this whole, like I didn't tell her I took the ASVAB. I didn't tell her I was talking to recruiters. I didn't even talk to my uncle Mark, who I was, you know, relatively close with. I didn't yeah. tell anybody aside oh, wow. from like the people I was talking to to like get involved yeah, yeah and um so five days after my 17th birthday because I had to wait for like the recruiter to be there I, I put my mom in the car and I'm like come on we're going for a drive and we pulled <laughs> to the armory and she gets this look on her face she's like uh what are we this doing looks like a military building what yeah. are we doing here yeah and uh, I said nothing you know come on let's just go inside still haven't said anything I sat her down up on the couch and I looked at the recruiter and I said okay give her the paperwork still oh, haven't explained wow. anything and she's just, hold on, wait a second, what is going on here? Oh my God, poor Rhonda. <laughs> and she's not joining the military. She's, oh my God. She just blank look on her face and she looks at me and she looks up at the recruiter, some dude she's never met before, yeah. back at me. She does like a couple of double, she goes, honey, you know, you have a problem with authority, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, very, 
very astute <laughs> observation. <laughs> yeah. And she was, they're going to yell at you. They're going to yell in your face. I said, it's okay. They won't yell at me forever. One day I'll be the one yelling. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> shit rolls downhill. So there is something to be said for that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I never man. ended up really yelling at anybody because like as you grow and you learn you realize you don't have to do that unless you're a drill sergeant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah, the select few that yeah, will get to do that. Awesome. So oh right, how long did it how much convincing did it take for your mom to sign off on it? Like what was Um hardly any at all. Um okay. surprisingly. Okay. Um because my my mom's kind of, you know, hippy dippy, ooh la la type of girl. So, um, you know, she didn't, but I think I had so much conviction in deciding that this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I laid out all the pros, like it's going to give me like a solid training. It's going to give me structure. It's yeah. going to give me a financial stability. It's going to get me out of Modesto. Yes. You know, it's going to give me education benefits. Like all I'm going to have healthcare benefits. Like there's all of these positives. Oh, yeah. That come along with going into the military 100 and and so i think she was like well okay if this is what you want to do then I, I, okay <laughs> oh wow oh good good for her okay but and then you know it's like a year before you you head off to uh to boot camp right so uh so all right so you go through your senior year graduate high school you know you're studying up on everything whether it's general orders uh soldiers creed things like that and uh where do you ship off for boot camp so i go to fort jackson okay um which it you know people are like oh relax in jackson (laughs) um because they that was just the nickname that it had which you know i i didn't go to basic training anywhere else i can't i don't have no any personal comparison right i only did the one basic training um but let me tell you something about relax in jackson even if it is more chill than other basic trainings, the Southern heat oh, no. when you're from California oh, yeah. is a whole other ball game. <laughs> oh yeah. That humidity it will just stomp your colon. <laughs> it's just terrible. Yes. Um, I feel like my sweat glands broke that summer. Oh yeah. Um, because ever since then, I, it, I just sweat so easily. I know that's really gross. Sorry guys. Yeah, um, it's reality. But it, yeah. I just, it's so, it's so much. And it takes like ever since that summer, I've, my body regulation and everything has been completely, um, out of whack. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Life, lifelong, uh, lifelong. I mean, I don't know. Is that qualifies a disability through the VA? Might look oh, I don't know if it's an actual like medical condition or anything. I'm just saying like this, I just feel like oh, I, yeah. Yeah. But I haven't talked to my doctor about it or anything like that. So I just feel like I sweat really easily. I feel like I'm hot all the time. Um, like I ran like an hour ago and I'm still warm. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that is true. Um, wow. Okay. So, all right. So you get to, uh, relax in Jackson. I think they just chose that more for the rhyming properties. I'm sure it would be, you know, yeah well i think it was started by infantry uh because the infantry guys were not that far away at fort benning oh okay yeah yeah, fort benning or fort bragg i can't remember now but uh because fort bragg is north carolina yeah yeah that might be 
one of those two yeah but i think it was more along the lines because the infantry guys were like oh fort jackson's so chill compared to where we are doing uh, infantry that training. Makes sense. Like, yeah well you're doing infantry training of course yours is going to be a little different than sure. what we're getting we're just getting general soldier training right like right. you're <laughs> You're getting your and then and then you complete basic training and you go to AIT and it's just basically more of the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas I've completed basic training, I go up the road to my AIT and it's totally chill. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that, that makes sense. So you're you're still at Fort Jackson for uh, paralegal training? Or? Yeah, okay. I was really. Uh, I don't know if I want to say fortunate because I was still stuck in the South Carolina weather, um, which actually you know for. So I was there in the summer and through the winter. So I think we finished around Christmas time. Okay. So South Carolina has really mild winters, which was nice. That is nice. Um, and we, but we still had like cold days where we did PT inside, which mm -hmm. I also enjoyed. Yeah. Not, not too bad. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was just up the street. We, we marched from basic. They like called out the people who were going to like whatever station. And then they just like, we marched up the street and, got in and went into AIT. It was fairly easy. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah. Not, not too bad. And then, all right. So you, yeah, go for the summer and okay. You wrap up around Christmas and then, uh, what DD two fourteen in hand and, uh, get to go back home to California, report to your new unit. How, how does all that work? Yeah, basically. So they sent my paperwork, um, over to the national guard unit that I was assigned to in California. Perfect. And so I go back and I'm stationed in the 185th MP Battalion, mm -hmm. which was actually really nice. Um, so the battalion level, they only have one paralegal. So it was just me. Although I think we were at this point where we had one that was leaving. And so I did get a little bit of like paralegal, paralegal training, which was really nice. That is good. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> right. So I, and it's better than, I shouldn't say better. It's different than mm -hmm. getting taught like legal work from somebody who's doing S1, which is the HR stuff essentially. Right. right. Um, so, but at some point he left and then it was just me. So I was like wow. very quickly the SME on all things legal. <laughs> Whether you wanted to be or not. Yep. Right. So, <laughs> 18 years old, writing, doing all of the legal work oh, uh, for this battalion and, uh, and the HHD and all of our companies because company levels don't get paralegals. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it's just at the battalion and higher. Yeah. So I, you know, not that. You know, now that you're describing this, I'm kind of wondering, like, well, what kind of legal work would a battalion need? You know, and the first thing that comes to my mind is like someone went out in town and got a DUI, but that's probably not as applicable for a National Guard unit. So what what kind of yeah. legal stuff do you uh, run into? So at the MP battalion, it was more like um, fraternization. Oh, right, um, right. Because it's tricky when you're in the National Guard, because if you know each other outside of the military, there's no rank structure. Of course. Um, but when you're in uniform, you have that rank structure. So there's a little bit of a gray area in the National Guard. And I don't know if things have changed since I've been out, because I've been out for quite a while. But mm -hmm. at one point, it was like, if your relationship is primarily outside of the military, and there's like these other qualifications and exceptions to the policy, then you could remain like in a relationship, but you have one year to get married. Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, 
obviously people, you know, aren't rushing to get married. So sometimes it was fraternization. Uh, sometimes it was um, like, if, so for example, if we were doing like AT training, which is the annual training, or if we were doing drills and you're driving on post yeah, under the influence or without proper authorization, you would get in trouble for things like that, which my unit didn't get too much. Good, um, good. But then we also had like, but then I had to do those regular presentations. So it was a lot of like personal or professional development presentations, a lot mm -hmm. of fraternization presentations, a lot of um, article 15 presentations, things like yeah. that, which we really didn't get too many things until annual training. Right, right. Well, and, and that's, you know, with the reserves, you know, there really wasn't that much. It's like, how much could you screw up on a weekend? I mean, I just, I never You'd really surprised. I, well, somehow I never, <laughs> I never saw it. I'd hear about it. Like someone's going to mass and it's like, what? Like, how did you pull that one off? But yeah, AT, it seemed like more, there's more of a margin of error and, you know, people getting in trouble. Yeah. Or like AWOL, like if you just didn't come to drill, then you went oh, AWOL, yeah. like I would do your paperwork, which happens a lot in the reserves. In National well, I don't know about reserves, but it happened a lot in our unit, in the National Guard unit. We had a lot of AWOL, a lot of people just late, not caring, a lot of people like not in uniform regulation, yes. um, things like that, not passing your PT test. Mm -hmm. those types of things like we had a lot of like that type of stuff okay yeah that makes sense um yeah now that is stuff i did see <laughs> a yeah. lot especially up in the bronx it's like where is this person and it's like i don't know <laughs> it's wild totally wild but yeah i'm sure there's some par poor paralegal uh up in the bronx office that was very busy uh, yeah probably <laughs> the same stuff you're dealing with so okay well yeah that's um you know, you're the only paralegal for the battalion. Now, what are the implications for that when it comes to promotion? Like, you know, at the Navy, you're promoted within your job field. So you're competing with, you know, other, other mastered arms, you know, across the globe or, or whatever else. Is it the same, same for you or you're compared against, you know, all E3s in your unit and you stand out because yes. you're the only paralegal? Yeah, um, kind of. So you can stay at the battalion level up to an E4. Um, so I, when I got out of basic, I was promoted to E3 at my unit level, and then I stayed there through my E4 promotion. And then when I got when I got promoted to E5, I went up to the brigade level. Oh, okay. um, but I still had to go through a promotion board. I still had sure. to like have like all of my ducks in a row and things like that in order for me to get promoted. And I was against all the other paralegals in the state. Oh wow! Uh, okay. Because National Guard is statewide, of course. Um, so it's you. So you're against all the paralegals or in that, in your rank structure, basically in your rank who are up for promotion, um, and then it's based like on a point system. Okay. Okay. Wow. So how long did it take you to uh, to make E4 and then to make sergeant? Um, I think. I think it took me maybe like two years to go from E3 to E4 because you have to wait for a slot to become open before you can move into it. Uh, so yeah, even so, even if my unit thought I was ready to go to E4, I couldn't because there was nowhere to go. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and then I think I was in E4 again for a few years because again, you have to wait for that slot to open up. But when, sure. when, when it did become open, I passed my, my board and was able to go into that. And I moved up to the brigade level, which awesome. is great because you really don't want to get promoted and stay at the same 
unit because it's really hard to get out of that E4 mafia if you're surrounded by all the <laughs> yes, other Yes, the E4. I was just going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, for people who don't know, the E4 mafia is a real thing in the Army and um, uh, in the Navy because <laughs> our top uh, non, non-commissioned officer is, uh, is E3, so we call it the Seaman Underground sounds much dirtier than the E4 Mafia. <laughs> um, but what what were some of the shenanigans in the E4 Mafia? I mean, you guys uh, kind of, you know, you run supply, you run in Intel, you know, all the all the gossip. What, uh, what yeah, you guys famous yeah, for? all those things. Um, it took a while to get for me to be, get accepted into the E4 Mafia because I, since I was a paralegal, everyone was afraid to oh, do yeah. the things that, because yeah. they thought I was going to snitch. Thought you were I'm a not <laughs> If you're not hurting anybody, I you know go do what you want. Like if you're not hurting anybody, you go do what you want to do. Yeah. Like if you're not causing any issues. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like we're only here for a weekend. We're only here for two weeks. I'm not. I'm not gonna do like loads of paperwork because you wanted to sneak off post and go get a cheeseburger or yeah, something, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> yeah, calm down. Uh, but it took a while because they had to get to know me and what, what, sure. like, you know, what type of person I was, how, how serious am I about legal matters and things like that. So it took me a while to get accepted mm-hmm. into the E4 mafia. Of course. Um, but once I did, it was, it was great. It was good times. We did a lot of fun runs. Um, definitely did the, the gossip and the, um, grapevine and oh yeah yeah <laughs> it was also really supportive like if somebody failed their pt test all the other e4s rallied behind them oh, and like great. helped them do like remedial pt or if they were on like the last like end of their stretch we would all go and like help like rally them on and like push them forward obviously not physically because that's the disqualification but of course you know <laughs> yeah do the best that we can um so while the e4 mafia is always up to some type of shenanigan um, they were also very supportive, at least with my unit. That's great. That's awesome. Now, um, were you uh, still at battalion level or uh, what? where were you at when, because um, you deployed, right? You went to, to Iraq. I did. And I mean, yeah. fairly early in their, your enlistment too, right? It was. Yeah, it was because I did the college first program, which allows you two years of college when you get back. And I was still under the college first program when I got called for deployment. Oh, wow. Um, so, so it was, you know, within that two year time frame of me coming back from basic training. Um, and I didn't have to go. I could have I could have wiggled out of it if I mm-hmm. wanted to. Yeah. Um, at, the, at the time, I um, so with the National Guard, I'm sure there's something like this with the reserves, too. There's called active duty operational support or active duty work orders or whatever. But it's basically you're on active duty orders as a National Guard or, or reservist mm-hmm. um, and you're you're working like, you know, normal hours or whatever. So yeah. at the time that I was called to deployment, I was on ADSW, which is active duty special work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working for 100 troop command, which is um, basically the command that all the recruiters fall under. Okay. And I was doing all of their, all of their paperwork, their legal and recruiters. I'm sure it's much more colorful than anything your unit could come up with. <laughs> they get into some, some things. That they do. That they do. So um, at the time, so I was still in the battalion for my M days for my weekend stuff. But then Mm -hmm. on my active duty orders, I was with 100 troop command. So I was doing two, two different unit stuff. 
Oh boy, that's that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it was nice because with me being active on those active duty orders, I could do like my drill stuff while I was working, which made drill a lot chiller. Oh, nice. Um, because nice. I knew that if I didn't get it done on Sunday, I would just be able to do it when I got to the office on Monday. Right. So right. I wasn't as stressed out if we had a ton of paperwork to do because I had more time to do it. It also made um like moving PII and confidential documents a lot easier because I always had a work laptop versus like trying to like secure it on a thumb drive and take it in and oh, you know that whole thing. So Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. I'm like I'm starting to have flashbacks. <laughs> I have like sorry. I'm, no. <laughs> I just I have a uh, different negative memories of my service of like, oh no, remote work, uh, work laptops. I hate that. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I was in an office, but if I was using a, my M-Day computer and trying to move documents from that computer to my active duty computer, like that's when things could get a little tricky. But thankfully, um, at some point they decided they invested in like a secure cloud server. And so I was able to just kind of back things up and okay. then download them on the other computer, which made things so much easier of until course. they gave me a mobile laptop that I can just use all the time. Nice. Uh not not too bad of a setup. Okay, so you you get put on these these active orders. You're doing active duty, but you're also doing you know reserve time on you know one week and a month. So you're you're doing that. Um, and then is that like as the workup to be deployed, or that's in lieu of? Yeah, so I remained working at 100 Troop Command until deployment. Okay, so, okay, um, gotcha. I did. I had to leave for a few weeks here and there because I needed to do my pre-mob training. Gotcha. Um, and like okay. learn, you know, the com. Well, I actually we didn't do combatives until we were in, um, Texas doing pre-mob training. So in California, though, we had pre-mob training where we learned like the you know first aid type stuff and we did our rollover drills and our driving drills and all that we just, so we did all that type of stuff in California so I think I left twice for two weeks to do the primo training in California mm -hmm. and then um, when we when we were like on official orders we went from California to okay. um Fort Hood. Sorry, I drew a blank on where we went yeah. to Fort Hood. And then we were in Fort Hood for another two weeks doing more primo training. And then we went from there to Kuwait. We stayed in Kuwait for probably two weeks to get acclimated. Makes sense. Um, and, you know, things of that sort. And then we went from Kuwait to um, our base, which was Talil, which is, okay. um, I don't, they've changed the name now, but at the time it was a joint base um, with the Air Force and okay. the Army. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I And then you were over in Iraq then for an entire year, right? Uh, they actually moved our deployment to nine months. Okay. Okay. So we were boots on the ground in Iraq for ten, for nine months, but I was gone from home for 12 to 13 because of all the training. Right. But I also, you know, wanted to make sure I stayed on those title 10 orders a little bit longer if I could, because those, that's a whole, that's a lot sweeter than, title 32 orders. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I got home and we did like our initial demo, um, I went to WLC, which is the warrior leadership course so that I can get promoted to an E5. Cause at the time I was still an E4. Okay. Um, and you don't have, you don't have to have WLC to get promoted to an E5, but you have to have it in order to move from an E5 to an E6. 
Okay. And if you have it as an E4, you get a little, you know, a little bump in your points. Absolutely. Um, so I asked my unit if they would send me to W to WLC, um, and they did. And it's really funny because the unit I deployed with wasn't even my unit. I deployed with the 224 Sustainment Battalion or Brigade. Yeah, okay. the 224 Sustainment Brigade. And when and when I first got notice of the orders, I called my battalion and said, why did you guys send me to this unit and we're deploying? Yeah, yeah. What, what's going on? And they had no idea. This The other unit, they just swooped me and just like moved me over. Yeah. I don't know how they did it, but they moved yeah. me and no, nobody in my command knew that I was on this unit's roster for deployment. Oh, my God. Yeah, it needs of the military. Am I right? They just... Yeah. I That, I mean, not nearly as probably dramatic as that was but that that happened to me i was in a reserve unit in uh in long island loved it and uh just something happened where i wasn't just wasn't on their roster like something got dropped someone you know misconnected something in the bronx scooped me up before anyone realized what had happened and there's just (laughs) nope there's no undo you're you're in the bronx now it was like no you're stuck (laughs) yeah but you know hey whatever it that was like going right into the pandemic and it's like, okay, now you're just going to sit in front of a computer. So it was like, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter either way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. So you, you deploy with this completely different unit. Is this unit still out of California too, or just something else entirely? Yeah. So they're, uh, they were out of Southern California. Um, so I didn't know anybody. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm deploying How with a unit where I don't know anyone. Um, oh, man. But so when we actually, when we got to our primo training, I I found somebody that I met at AIT. Wow. What are the odds? (laughs) And I didn't remember him at first. He had to like give me details and like, like, you know, probe my memory. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And, but then we became like best friends. Oh, that's awesome. And it was great. And then we found like another person and we became like the three musketeers and we were like (laughs) basically inseparable. Um, Yeah. And it was amazing. So I was really fortunate that I was able to click with at least two people like yes. with this unit where I didn't know anybody and getting ready to go overseas with. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's like your first time international at all, right? It was. I never traveled out of the country at all um, growing up. So it definitely wow. was my first time Um and you know, I the only I barely even left California. I went to Alabama because I have family in Alabama. Of course. Um, but other than that, like I barely left California. So yeah. it was it was a lot of new experiences. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's definitely overwhelming if you don't know anyone, you know, going over there. But that's that's great that you know pre mob training you didn't waste any time. You had had some contacts and uh, and like you say, you managed to click with them and uh, before you went over there. So that's awesome. So, yeah, because I remember uh, when you came back or shortly thereafter, you know, you came out to Seattle area and uh, with everybody and uh, got yeah. to meet up and have have some fun. <laughs> yeah, I um, forgot about that until right now. Like, I think about it regularly, but like in the moment of the conversation, I didn't remember it right away. But yes, um, that was a lot of fun. My friends had a great time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, just how, how odd, because I don't think... I mean, certainly that's kind of the weird thing about our family is like we we say, oh, you know, I got a cousin or whatever else. They're usually like 20 years apart. (laughs) They're so much older. And, you know, I don't I don't know, like who else do we have in the family who is in the military? Certainly not at the same time. 
I think we were. Um, so we have Johnny, um, which is Uncle Mark's son. He joined the Marine Corps. Okay. Um, but I think it's just us, just me, you, and Johnny. Yeah. Um, Chris wanted to, which is Johnny's brother, but he has some stuff going on. He wasn't allowed. Uh, um, and then Amber, which is Johnny's sister, mm -hmm. um, wanted to join the Air Force. But I, for, I forget which her reason was that she wasn't allowed either. So uh, of the three of them, only Johnny was able to get in. And he he enlisted, I think, when we were set, me and Johnny are about a year apart. So mm -hmm. I think when he was, I think he was 18. Oh, wow. When he, 18 or 19, when he enlisted, I, I think. Oh, wow. Because he went to, he went to basic after I came back. Okay. From, from AIT. Wow. Yeah, it's, um. Yeah, it's a it's a funny thing, you know, uh, getting into the service, and uh, you know, you don't think about. Well, I mean, the statistic used to be like seventy percent of the people who walk through recruiter stores are turned away for some reason or another, and I think the percentage has actually gotten higher. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you know, us we we had uh, relatively clean living growing up in California, so I don't think it was too much of a barrier for us. But uh, you know, get to get out there and do those ex have those experiences now. Uh, when you signed up for the National Guard, was that for six year stint or? What was um, so I, my original contract was the eight year contract. Okay. Um, so it's six years of like active and then two years of the in, inactive. So um, IRR, inactive ready reserves, I think is what it stands yep. for. Yep, I'm. No, uh, but I'm out, out now. I don't. I don't have anything. Good for you. <laughs> so yeah, you were like one enlistment, and I am done. Get me out of here. Well, that wasn't my plan. My plan originally was to stay in until they kicked me out. Um, but That's you know, life happens and um, my my life path led me in a different way. So I, I did a one year extension so that I could get my, um, get like some solid time as an E5. That way, if I got out and got back in, I wouldn't have to go back down to an E4. Smart. So I did a one year um, extension to make sure that that was an option for me. And then when I moved, so I moved from California to South Carolina, where I am now mm -hmm. in 2014, when my, um, when I ETS mm -hmm. okay. and when I got back here, I went and I talked to a recruiter. Um, and it's so funny all, cause I was looking at all the medical questions mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm going to have to lie so much if I want to reenlist. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> That's no, that's a crazy thing because I I was active for four years, then I was IRR for three, and right about the time I was finishing up college, the part, former service recruiter called me. Oh, you want to do reserves? And I was like, Yeah, how'd you know? Um, but I, you know that was the thing. That's like, Oh my gosh, I've had so much more medical crap happen to me <laughs> in the <laughs> Navy, you know, and and since, and uh, you know, trying to think of like, Oh man, like how am I gonna through all this and like go back through maps and like do all this over again you know years later yeah gotta lie that's that's all you got <laughs> yeah yeah so i took the paperwork home and i gave it a thought and i thought about it for a while and then i just decided um being a civilian was a, the better choice for me at the time but yeah. um i very often think back and i'm like man i should have just i should have just done it i should have re-enlisted because i would have been able to retire next year Wow. Time flies, even when you're not having fun. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I could have been, I wouldn't be able to collect it until I'm 60 or 65, but that would have been, you know, sure. that would have been secured money. 
Absolutely. I now have to find another way to get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is, there is that aspect of it. Cause yeah. And I, I guess total for my service, I hit 10 years, but people, Oh, why didn't you stay in? It's like, you know that I hated my life, right? And like, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to be yeah, said for happiness. To be able to, <laughs> you need to be able to wake up and be okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I don't miss it at all. I'm so glad it's over. But I'm glad that I did it, and it sounds like, like you are too. Absolutely. I think enlisting was one of the best things I could have done for myself. There are so many experiences that I would have never had if I didn't enlist. There's so many different types of people that I would have yeah. never met. There's so many different cultures that I would have never been introduced to. There's just like yes. all of these things that I would have never been exposed to if I didn't yeah. join the military. Um, we had this joke because we, there was a bunch of us who were friends, mm -hmm. but we were all so different from each other that we were like, if, if we never enlisted, our yes. paths would have never crossed. Oh, absolutely. Because we were also different. We, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. And I, and that's one of the things that I love about my time in the military is I got to experience and be exposed to different types of people and things. And yeah. it, I grew so much as a person from those experiences. Oh, absolutely. I, I know some people, I mean, California was, is a pretty amazing place to grow up and you're exposed to a lot of different things, but I know a few people who have never left and it's weird to run into them. It's like, are you a person? What? <laughs> I don't even know how to talk to you. It's just, you know, they're not, yeah, they're not exposed to the things that, that we were having gone, you know, and lived somewhere else for a year or, you know, met, met the different people that we met, um, you know, and get out. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you've been in South Carolina now for man, better, almost pretty much a decade now. Um, yeah. what, what part of South Carolina are you in? I'm in Charleston, which is considered the low country, although people who are from the actual low country have different opinions about that. But for the rest sure. of the world, Charleston's the low country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it's that's kind of a military town too, right? Because that's where the Navy has their nuclear power school. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we have the we have a joint base. Um, so we have the the Navy side and the Air Force side mm -hmm. that's in um, North Charleston. Okay. And you can definitely Bought the nuke kids when they're like off base they stick out so much oh yeah they um, do. <laughs> just giant dorks <laughs> yes and it's so i mean like i've i've known a couple people who like taught the program i've known a couple people who've gone through the program and oh my gosh they are so so smart but like if they tried to speak to me in the way that they needed to teach i would feel like they were speaking a different language yeah um <laughs> yeah i had this one this one neighbor though he taught at the navy nuke school like one of the like Sweet. high level things I, I don't even know what it was called I, that, um, <laughs> probably for a reason need to know basis you don't need to know <laughs> yeah i mean like, he told me but it was such a complicated yeah title. <laughs> you're just like <laughs> yeah, you teach smart people things. Got it. Yeah. Not that I'm not smart. It's just different types of smart. Oh yeah. Um, yeah I'm I'm not at that level. Um, but he was the best mixologist. Um oh, like, really? Yeah. So he his I wife is a um is a chef and okay. um so they had a lot of like they hosted a lot at their house. And I every time they asked me if I was coming over, I would move plans and I would I would go because 
it was always the best food and the best drinks, like better than, and saying, living in Charleston, that says something because Charleston is a very food and bev heavy place. Like yes. people travel from across the country to get food in Charleston. Yeah, um, South Carolina is happening. I see stuff popping up in the news all the time, you know, whether it's Charleston. I know I got a buddy of mine. He's moving down to uh, Greenville here very soon. Yeah. Um, another couple of people that moved to Myrtle Beach. And I'm always seeing stuff popping up. Like, you, I think you guys still have the electric chair. You're bringing back the firing squad. And apparently constitutional carry yeah. is about to happen. I'm like, yeah, I need to move to South Carolina. Things. What am I doing? <laughs> we're, we're doing some things here. Um, somebody, I talked to somebody the other day. And they're like, yeah, when the pandemic happened and everything locked down, I picked up my family and moved to Charleston because you guys didn't really close down. And it's true. Like, mm -hmm. we had certain things put in place. But we didn't really, like, close down, close down. Yeah. And if we did, like like all almost I shouldn't say all the restaurants all the restaurants who could manage it would continue to do takeout oh, and course. it got to the point where they're like hey do you want a margarita to go yeah oh yeah <laughs> exactly we, and we have a distillery like a whiskey it's whiskey or vodka distillery like not oh, that wow. far from here and they were doing um buckets of <laughs> vodka to go so like, you could using call them, order a, a serving size only before seen in a Denny's for hooch i love it i love it that's amazing well they were like it was like a bunch of different flavors oh, so instead okay. of like going to the distillery to do it like a tasting you can order a bucket for tastings and so they would give you a bunch of different flavors and stuff I love um it. that's amazing but i'm just like i'm sure there's other places in the country that did that but being in charleston it just felt very charlestonian yes yes <laughs> Yeah, it, it was weird to see how everything was handled. Of course, I, I'm in New York City, so everything was a disaster. Um, I I drove into Manhattan in April of 2020, and it was like, are they about to film a movie? Like, there is no one. I've never seen that before. It was so, so creepy and very nice. The only time I ever had a smooth commute through Manhattan, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, everything was closed, whatever else. But then like in June, I went to see my folks in Idaho and it's like, did you guys just opt out? Like what, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> there's there's no signs of a pandemic here. It's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, you found a, a big city in the South that, uh, you know, seems to kind of keep operating and keep its own culture and character. Yeah. It's, um, you know, like Reno has the, the nickname, it's a little big city. Yes. Um, oh yeah okay yeah that makes sense yeah. yeah awesome so uh what um you know obviously you wanted to be a civilian again you're kind of done with the weekend warrior stuff and believe me i can relate um <laughs> but what have you been doing uh since then full-time uh with the civilian stuff yeah so i um when I got out, I went back to college full time um, and I got my undergrad in psychology with a minor in communications. And then uh, while I was in school, I did, of course, like some part time jobs. So I worked at like Dick Sporting Goods for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and then I worked at um, there. It's like a college here. They, it's called like the Low Country education something or other and I worked there as their like front desk person for a little bit cool. then I did some ABA therapy which is working with kids who have um, autism and down syndrome and doing like early childhood interventions so that they okay. um, can better manage as they get older nice um, so and I did that for a while and then when I graduated from college I um, 
started working at a, a local nonprofit called Palmetto Warrior Connection. Okay. Um, and so they're it's it's a veteran focused nonprofit. Oh, um, so I stayed there okay. for a few years doing that, and I loved it. I um, I was involved in a lot of like veteran outreach and programs, and um, I got I got to like mentor other veterans, and oh, you know, it I, was great. Uh, hey. I work for a veteran nonprofit. And it's like this is pretty awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I I can relate. Oh, that's great. Well, and it sounds like there's a lot of opportunities back there for you too. So that's definitely important. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was nice that I fell into another job. I so I fell into a veteran um service officer job um from from palmetto warrior connection i did vso for about three years which was great because man i wish i knew the things of a vso before i filed my claim yes (laughs) yeah don't ever file a claim on your own get someone else to help you (laughs) well i i did i went that that's how i fell into this rules i went to the the local va office and i sat with the vso and i had and she filed my claim so and she did fine it's not anything that she did wrong it was me not understanding the verbiage that i needed to use to express what i needed her to do right right um that that's where like so because the verbiage wasn't expressed correctly the the claim wasn't written in a way that made all of the things approved the first time around so like i am still so i filed my claim in 20 oh my gosh 2019 2018 or 2019 wow and I am still filing appeals. Listen, oh any veteran who's listening, if you file a claim and it gets denied, you have one year to file your appeal. If you do not have evidence, file it anyway. Yeah. Because if you let that one year lap, you have to your effective date starts over. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing they they back pay you from the date right. that you apply. So yeah, it's very so important. I have not missed out. a single appeal date. So. Right. If these things get awarded, <laughs> yeah. and if my rating changes, that's the the other key point. If my rating changes because of that award, mm-hmm. um, and you know, VA math isn't normal math. It's not no. ten plus ten equals twenty. It's common so core. even if I get like a ten percent, <laughs> that ten percent isn't going to raise my <laughs> yeah my overall rating. Right. Uh, but if, if if it does change, I'm going to get back pay from when I filed my claim in 2019. Amazing. Yeah, it's. Absolutely crazy. Uh, just the appeals I hear people, you know, go through and everything else. And for the longest time, like when I got out, I'm like, ah, you know, I never was sick, never was injured. I, you know, I've mainly gotten hurt off duty. But then I was talking to a Navy buddy a couple weeks ago, and he goes, "No, can you hear anything?" I'm like, "No, my hearing's trash. I can't hear a damn thing." He's like, "Well, that's." you need to apply for that. Uh, you know, and we started running down the list. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's bothered me forever. I just, I don't know. It's like, I guess once it happened, I'm like, well, I guess I'm just like this for the rest of my life and just kind of forgot yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of how I was too, because, um, like it was just like one, I was national guard. So I was like, I, I didn't feel like I had the right to file a claim for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But and the VA, the only reason why the VA is awarding me anything is because of my deployment because you have to have active duty time in order for the VA to account you as a veteran of and course. to give your claim any like validity. Now you can get some things approved as a reservist or a national guard, but it's much, much harder. Yes. Um, 
So my, like, if you are in the reserves or the National Guard and something happens, make sure it's documented and that you get an LOD because the VA has now stopped. If you don't have an LOD to prove that this happened while like on training orders, it's not getting approved. Right, right. Yeah, I got to imagine that they're clamping down. And and there's always talk of that, you know, of clamping down. And now they're going to like prorate if you make a certain amount of money, you don't get paid out as much. It's it's all, all craziness what's going on. I don't yeah. think that prorating is going to happen, honestly. I don't think so either, because people are going <laughs> to freak out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the veterans are always getting screwed. That's why I, I joined uh, the VFW and American Legion. Even if all I do is pay them my 35 40 bucks a year, it's like, well, at least that's some lobbying that I can get behind. So. Yeah. Yeah, right. We need somebody to fight for us. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um but yeah, so, uh, you know, with all, all your experience and everything, uh, if you knew someone looking to join today, what uh, what advice would you have other than, you know, don't do it, which seems to be a common rock. Join the Air Force. <laughs> if you have to join, if you have That's to join, true. join the Air Force. Yeah. <laughs> my, Space Force my own- might be cool. Oh yeah, that's I, I forget their thing now. Yeah, um, but yeah. <laughs> me too. They're only like six thousand people or something. They're very small. Very well, small. and I have a friend who joined the Space Force too because he really? reached out to me. Yeah, wow. um, to see if I had contacts for somebody so that he can get a letter of recommendation so that he can join the oh. Space Force. Okay. Um, I I don't know if the contact I gave him worked out or not because I I don't really talk to anybody from California all that much these days. True. Like we're Facebook friends. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that's one of those that. things. Yeah. You're yeah. reminded periodically of their existence. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I know something went down. Like, I know that I could call them because that's one of the, the things about the friends that you make in the military is that, like, yeah. even if you don't talk to them for five years, like, if they were, like, if they were your friend, like, an actual friend yes. in the military, um, not just an acquaintance, somebody that you got lunch with on occasion, but if they were your actual friend in the military and you guys just like life takes you in separate directions, but like you need them, if you call them, they're going to respond. Yeah. Like, whether yeah. that's them just answering the phone and, and talking you off the ledge or, you know, helping you out of the bind. Like I, I know that there's a handful of people who were like legitimate friends of mine from the military that if I needed them and yes. they had the ability to help me, they would. Oh yeah. Even though I haven't talked to them in like five, six, 10 years, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what I'm experiencing now with, uh, you know, doing this is, uh, I'll, you know, again, Facebook, whatever, reach out to someone I haven't talked to since we were in Bahrain. There was so 10 years ago and it's like, yeah, I'll come on. And you know, you just pick up right where you left off and, and start hearing stuff like, wait, you're from Chico, you know, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, a lot of fun, crazy stuff that, uh, that pops up and yeah, just having that shared experience. And like, like I mentioned, I, I joined, uh, my local American Legion cause I need to hang out with, you know, dudes in their seventies and eighties all day. But, uh, but it is weird. Like we do have that common thread. You wouldn't think it'd be that big of one, but it's like, okay, you're a veteran. I'm a veteran. Like we can talk and yeah, you know, there's some, shared connection it's not nearly the gulf that you would think it would be to cross i mean it's yeah and we always find each other like somehow like if you're at a non-veteran event like somehow the veterans find each other oh yeah (laughs) always i like so the job that i do now um it it's not a nonprofit. so but it, it started out as veteran oriented but our program is so great that we open it to everyone so i work for a 
I work for a small company now called Veterans or was Veterans Ascend. It's Talents Ascend now because anybody can use it. But it's um, basically like AI powered skills matching. Oh wow! And yeah, it's it's really cool. So the thing with the veterans is if you are transitioning out and you don't um, know how to demilitarize your experience, but the platform does it for you. Oh my God. All right. Now, okay. So say I'm a veteran, you know, I need to demilitarize my experience. Like how, what's the cost to the veteran or how, how does that work? Oh, it's free. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to need the link to your company cause I'm going to put it in, in the description on YouTube and, uh, on the podcast, yeah, for sure. but uh, we, the veterans that I work with, you know, we pair up a lot of, some of them are transitioning, some might've been out, whatever, but like probably about 50% of our participants are people who are transitioning out of the military. They need to de- demilitarize their experience for a resume, whatever else. Uh, sounds like we might, uh, might need to get to know your company a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I didn't plan to like talk about them too much because this, that's not what this is about tonight. But, um, and I forget, I had a reason for bringing them up. that wasn't talking about them, (laughs) which has escaped me at this point, but it, so it's just, it's, it focuses on the skills. So, and then the employers who use our platform to match to you, they have the same database of skills. And so it's the easiest way to explain it is that it's like match.com, but for work. Perfect. Um, and you don't have to be transitioning out of the military to use it. You can be out for five years, 10 years, 20 years looking for a new opportunity, or maybe you've retired and you're like, I'm bored and I want to go do something. Okay. And so you're thinking about going back to work. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a veteran to use it. That's why it's talents to send now and not veterans to send. Like li- anybody can use it. So if you're a oh, mom wow. getting back into the workforce, you can go in there and you can put time management deals well under pressure. You know, yes. whatever other skills that you have, and you'll still match to an employer because there's no resume. Okay. No, oh, I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely uh, put the link in the description. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could remember why I brought it up. Uh, I probably derailed you as I do. I'm, yeah, I'm the steamroller of podcasting. I just ram right through whatever the, whatever my guests <laughs> are saying. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you said that you it was basically like in regards to a job transition. Uh, and that's about as, as much as I remember, but, um, yeah. Picking know, up where we left like, off. Yeah. Veterans, um, veterans have a connection. You know, we, we veterans find each other, oh, even a non-veteran events. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Veterans, we always find each other. So right now I do a lot of networking because I'm going out, like trying to spread the word because, you know, we, we want people to learn about us so that they can come use us. So I'm going to a lot of like networking events, whether they're online or in person, Mm -hmm. um, you know, things like that. And I'm also trying to step out of my comfort zone. So I'm going to a lot of like meetup events. Oh, great. Um, Yeah. I love those. Yeah. And if there's a veteran in the group, we somehow like always find each other, um, yeah, I, I don't think I've been to a, a thing yet where there's not been at least one other veteran that was identified. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, there's just some way to kind of suss those people out and uh, <laughs> make the connection. So that's awesome. Yeah. Really cool. Well, I I really appreciate you coming on and especially, you know, as busy as you are with uh, doing your run. I bagged the gym this week, so I'm impressed with your dedication. I have none. <laughs> Uh, but thank you so much for coming on and giving me your story. 
um, and, uh, and given some good recommendations uh, for folks looking to join. I definitely think Air Force and Space Force would be the way to go these days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, again, appreciate it so much. Uh, have, uh, have a great rest of the week and uh, a very um, uh, momentous and important Memorial Day. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, definitely take take a moment. I, you don't join the military and leave the military and not know somebody for Memorial Day. Yeah. So. Um, the unfortunate truth. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're, we're all going to take our moments and cherish them and then move on with, with our, our lives. <laughs> for the time. Not that yeah. they ever leave, right? They're always right. on our minds. But of course, uh, just like with birthdays and Christmas and things, we have a dedicated day to make sure that we take that, that time out for them. Absolutely. Nope. Well said. Uh, well, again, Christine, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, take care. All right. Thank you.